0: Cats and kittens. This is Dan with a new episode of Comic Book Pit. This would be Comic Book Pit episode 259. Flying solo today, just uh, just me, myself, and I, and my iPad uh, with some some comic talk, both uh, regular comics and just some uh, maybe comic media talk. Kind of one-sided because I'm just by myself, (laughs) but um, you know it's been a it's been a pretty good fall so far as far as uh, TV goes. Just to uh, get it started there, you know we've got some new shows like the Marvels Inhumans, uh, the Gifted, and more of the on the sci-fi side we've got the Orville and Star Trek Discovery. Um, I've uh, watched all of these to varying degrees. I would say um, the one that was the most disappointing for me, and I think for pretty much everybody, has been The Inhumans. Um, I probably can't say anything new that hasn't already been said many times and in better ways, but it's just... Uh, a disappointment. I mean, it, it, it's a flop, and I think in every sense of the word. And I'm not exactly sure what Marvel slash ABC was really thinking when they came up with this, but it's just not good, and I can't recommend it to anybody. Um, I watched I watched two episodes, and I fell I started to nod off in the middle of the second episode. It was the middle of the day, I was sitting up at my desk, I I mean, and I I wasn't, you know, it's not like I was in bed, or, you know, curled up with a blanket, or slaying on the couch, Um, it was just boring, it just, I don't even know what else to say, I mean, I I could just say so many things about it, but just, um, you know, if you're really interested in it, if you're a glutton for punishment, go ahead. Give it a give it a watch, but don't say that I didn't warn you. Um, and uh, the other shows um, are have been um, all pretty pretty good, pretty uh, pretty nice surprises. Um, I would say the one I probably know the least about uh, I've only watched the first um, two episodes uh, is Star Trek: Discovery. I'm just, you know, that one's unique because it has the, you know, you're required to subscribe to the CBS app, which I'm not um, really willing to do at this time. I might uh, get a subscription later on and and, uh, binge watch it. But for right now, um, it's, you know, just not in the cars. I've subscribed to way too many other platforms uh, just to subscribe to CBS for basically what would amount to one TV show. I mean, I know they have a lot of other things on there. Um, Personally, I really don't watch any CBS uh, sitcoms or dramas. I find them all to be just lacking in one way, shape, or form. Um, That's a whole other discussion. But I did enjoy, you know, what I watched uh, the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and I am looking forward to watching more. And then there's The Gifted and The Orville that were um, both really, uh, again, pleasant surprises. Um, The Gifted is uh, Fox's mutant television show, which uh, pretty much takes place uh, smack dab in the middle of the Marvel Mutant Cinematic Universe, I think, because they mention the Brotherhood of Mutants, they mention the X-Men. You've got characters like... Lorna Dane slash Polaris um Blink Thunderbird Beautiful Dreamer who was uh I think I think she was a Morlock actually and then you've got uh a reference to the Von Strucker family although it's they've been kind of reformatted for the show in the comics the Von Struckers were definitely not good guys but so it was kind of an interesting choice for them to uh take that name, so I don't know if that means that somewhere down the road, there's going to be, you know, a turn to the dark side, Uh, I don't know, but it's enjoyable so far, I really, you know, uh, I really didn't have um, much uh, hopes for it, but I I tune in every week for it, and um, strangely, uh, surprisingly, I can't believe it, but I think the Oracle is probably my favorite new show of the fall so far. Um, it's, it's got way more heart than I would have expected. It's, it's, you know, it's, you're, we're seeing Seth MacFarlane at his most earnest, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's got some really good humor, but it's not over the top humor. Like you might see in, you know, family guy or Ted or one of his other properties or shows or movies. Um, it's, um, uh, you know, it's the humor you would ex- expect from him, but it's tempered by this, like this love letter to Star Trek. It's it's gotten numerous comparisons to Star Trek: The Next Generation, and that's a pretty well deserved comparison. I I look at it like they're like episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, if the bloopers and gag reels were, were left in. Um, because it's just that funny. I mean, it's, but I think it's a good balance. I, I think if it were to tip one way or the other, if it weren't funny enough, then it would just be accused of being a Star Trek ripoff. If it were too funny, then it would just be accused of being another Seth MacFarlane, uh, you know, sitcom or, um, just attempt at, you know, gross-out humor, or pop-culture humor, or whatever. Um, but it's it's neither of those. Like I said, I think it strikes a good balance. So, uh, as far as returning shows, we've got the, the usual cast of, uh, you know, we've got the usual suspects. We've got The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, all from the CW, and then... We've got Gotham on Fox and The Walking Dead on AMC. Uh, I'm pretty much caught up to date with. I'm, I'm up to date with uh, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and uh, as of this recording, Walking Dead just premiered a couple of days ago. So I'm up to date with that. That one's easy. So it's uh, business as usual for pretty much all those shows. Um, I don't actually watch Legends of Tomorrow or Gotham anymore. I kind of dropped out of those after... Uh, actually, pretty much for each one, it was after the second season. Uh, just not doing it for me. But the the other shows uh, have all pretty much picked up where they left off from the season before to varying degrees. And I've got thoughts about those. I'm probably going to save that for... A future conversation with the other guys because I know, um, you know, we all watch those shows again to varying degrees, and probably just a better conversation if if there were more people than me here. So, (laughs) so uh, you know, look for that in a future episode. But uh, you know, but I I have been reading a few comics lately, so uh, probably the the biggest one that's come out, and the one that's probably made uh, the most noise recently, has been Marvel Legacy number one. Now, this um, is basically Marvel's Rebirth, if you want to look at it like that. It's uh, you know similar to, to how DC Rebirth last year had their um, return to form. That's what Marvel's doing. So this is... Um, you know, this is Marvel returning to their status quo. They're bringing characters back. Um, they're doing some renumbering. And um, I think it works. You know, it's it's not without its bumps and bruises. Um, it, it It is, you know, similar to DC Universe Rebirth in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's got a... Um, you know they're very meta heavy uh stories throughout this issue they kind of it's a little choppy and it's connected or linked by this uh, this unseen narrator and they kind of you know sit back and reflect on the universe and you know what's what's come before and what is uh what the future holds but um it was great. I, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, Jason Aaron. I just kind of came to the realization. It just hit me. I I, th- I really think Jason Aaron should be the next guy. Who I mean, I, I, he. I feel like he basically is, but he should be the guy driving Marvel now. You know, for a while it was Joe Quesada. Then they kind of turned the uh, reins over unofficially to Brian Bendis, and you know. And, like, those guys, Bendis, Fraction, um, Hickman. But now I think... I feel like Jason Aaron... This is Jason Aaron's turn. I think he's, he's really got a good handle on the Marvel Universe. And it really shows in this issue, this Marvel Legacy, number one, that they're able to... A, he's able to work with, you know, a bunch of different artists. And... They kind of—it's like they take a step back and they're looking at the universe as a whole, and they're introducing a lot of really cool ideas, bringing back some fan favorite characters. Um, Like I said, it's not perfect; it's a little choppy in some places. Um, There, the the art kind of ebbs and flows. There's some peaks and valleys, Uh, but but I think it's you know, if, if you're a fan of just good solid marvel comics i think it behooves you to to give this a try and like, go into it with a with an open mind it's like you know we did the same thing you know we we gave dc another chance and it paid off uh hopefully the same will be the, the same will be said for for marvel you know a year from now that we can look back and say okay marvel got it right you know they 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 went back to what worked and they did it right another book that i read recently was rat queens and this is the the fourth volume of their series and rat queens is is a book that i've i've loved for a long time i i'll talk I'll talk about it every once in a while on the show but it's tough because it's got kind of, a Got kind of a choppy schedule, um, you know. It doesn't come out really with any kind of regularity, um, but it's. But when it does come out, it's something that I always look forward to. If you're not familiar, the the, the basic idea behind Rat Queens is it's a. It tells the story of the exploits of a party of the. It, um, these foul-mouthed adventurers and kind of a sword and sorcery, like a Dungeons and Dragons uh, universe. And the the writer uh, Curtis Weeby has has described the series as, you know, it, it's a love letter, of course, to Dungeons and Dragons, but with a more modern twist. And it's the concept is Lord of the Rings meets meets bridesmaids, and because the the party is is a it's a it's an all female party of adventurers, and and it's great. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's an unbelievable amount of just fun. And what it reminds me of is, you know, I I played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a teenager, and you know, you're sitting around with your friends and you know you each have a character that is supposed to fit a certain mold and sure at some point you know you you adhere to that within the game but sometimes you can't help but mess with your friends and you know you you, you call your friend like your character calls your other your friend's character a name or they do something funny to your you know it's just you you can't help but when you're sitting around with your buddies male female whatever that's you're going to mess with each other and you're going to and it you know you're gonna pick on each other. You're gonna you're gonna point out each other's worst qualities. <laughs> but at the end of the day, your friends, your buddies, you're doing it out of love. You know, you'll never say that. But you know, you you mess with the people you love the most. I think so. So that's kind of what you have here. You, you've got this these group of friends that. Uh, so you've got the rockabilly, elven, mage, Hannah, a kind of a hipster, dwarf warrior, Violet, a atheist human cleric, her, her name is D, and you've got the hippie halfling thief, Betty, who loves loves uh, bags of drugs and candy. That's kind of all she consumes. And then there are... Um, it's it's the four of them primarily through like the first three trade paperbacks of the first three collections, but then eventually they're joined by Braga, who is a transgendered orc warrior. Now all of this, you know, you might roll your eyes when I describe these characters, and it, it might sound really, you know, heavy-handed or just whatever, but... The the descriptions don't do justice to the actual storytelling and the way these characters are portrayed. Um, if you do decide to, you know, check these the rack queens out first, I would go back to the beginning, just because it not for a continuity point of view, but just from a pure enjoyment point point of view, I think everyone should start this book from the beginning. Um and, and you'll immediately get a feel for how these characters relate to each other, that they are just from the beginning, just there's something special about how they work, how the characters work together and how well they're written and how true their dialogue sounds and how, and, and each one of them has an individual voice. Um, and the, you can tell that there isn't one character that the creators like better than another. You know, every character I feel gets their gets their due. You know, they every every character's got their moment to shine. Every character's got their moment to fail. Every character's got their moment to show actual human emotions, um, and it's. It, and, and then, like every character's got their moment to be like a badass, and that's you know there 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 was one issue where there was this big fight i it might be, that might be in the second collection i forget but there's this uh <clears throat> there's this just big fight, and the action was so good i you know it, it went from being this humor you know this kind of like d and d humor book to this flat out d and d Action, sword, sword fighting, and just just bloodletting, and it was just amazing, just a lot of fun. Anyway, okay, so getting back to what I read recently, this was, like I said, volume four, and you might think, you know, four volumes in, it might be kind of hard to uh, to settle into the story, get a feel for the characters, but. This was actually this volume. I would call it. I hate using terms like this because they, a lot of times they're they're just you know industry. It's just like industry jargon that sometimes doesn't make any sense. But um, I really feel like this book is a is a soft reboot. This volume that you can pick this up without having read the first three volumes because they're basically starting fresh The, from what I remember what happens at the end of the third volume does not carry over to where we pick up in the fourth volume so at the third volume has to do with Hannah returning to the, uh, basically like the wizarding school that she went to, like her alma mater, because her father, who's also a wizard, was, um, having some trouble or being accused of something or other, and so she had to go back, and she's also kind of, I believe she's like a half demon, or she's got demonic qualities that sometimes will, will appear, and, at the end of that story arc, uh, from what I remember, Hannah had kind of fully embraced her demonic side and had left the Rat Queens. And then th- the last page of the Rat Queen of that issue, uh, or that arc, were the the rest of the Rat Queens just continuing on their adventures without Hannah. And they were like on a boat and they were out, of, out at sea and... They were, like I said, they were just going on, and Hannah had <coughs> chosen a different path and continued on her way. Well, when this book picks up, Volume 4 starts, they' just they're back in their hometown, and they're back doing quests and adventuring and partying and, and, and there are slight, there are some references to what has come before. In the first three volumes. Um, but again, it's nothing that you can't just roll with. Uh, it's nothing that's going to be confusing. Because honestly, I had read that third volume, and it's, it's probably been well over a year since that third volume came out. And I just have a vague recollection of it. So, you know, me reading this fourth volume. Like I said, it. I didn't feel like I was lost. I didn't feel like I had to go back and reread the third volume in order to know where the fourth volume was coming from. So, I would, well, yeah, like I said, I would definitely feel comfortable recommending to anybody that this is something they could pick up and enjoy without having going back and reading volumes one through three. However. I would recommend that that course of action as well, only because Rat Queens is just a freaking awesome book. It's one of the most fun comics I've read probably in the last ten years, and you know that might sound like hyperbole, but I mean you know comics comics have, have had their struggles lately, and sometimes you feel like you're just going through the motions. You you read a comic because that's what you've read for the past 20 years. Like, oh, uh, I'll, I'll always read Daredevil because he's one of my favorite characters, whether it sucks or not. Or you might be an X-Men guy or a Batman guy. There's certain books you're always going to read because you, you've been, like, self-conditioned to read those books. But there a book will come along that will just surprise you and just kind of knock you on your butt either in a dramatic way or in this case in Rat Queens it was you know, just flat out funny but also has a lot of heart that goes along with it so that's my recommendations for this week um, Marvel Legacy number one and Rat Queens volume four so That's been a lot of talking. It's been a lot of talking for one guy. Um, I usually don't like... I shouldn't say I don't like it, but I, I prefer not to do episodes by myself just because, you know, it's just more fun to have a conversation. And sometimes it's weird listening to just one guy talk when you can't interact. So... And I can't interact with you, the listener, and I don't have, you know, there's no one sitting next to me. I'm kind of, uh, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, I'm sitting in my car, um, waiting to uh, pick up my wife. So I figured, what better time to record a podcast than uh, sitting in my car, downtown Pittsburgh. So, that's where I am right now. Um, anyway, alright, so... That'll do it for this episode of the Comic Book Pit. And, you know, just to do a little bit of uh, of housekeeping, if you are a new listener, which, oh my God, I'm so sorry, if this is your first episode of Comic Book Pit, I apologize. It's not usually like this. Usually I have at least a couple of other co-hosts to talk with. But you can find us on various social media platforms we are on facebook twitter instagram uh you can just search comic book pit make sure pit is spelled with two t's that's how we roll we are um we're on itunes and i also believe we are on spreaker um uh spreaker and no not spreaker um, we're on iTunes, and a couple of other podcast catchers, which unfortunately are escaping me right now, so I apologize, it's not very professional of me, but I'm not super pre- prepared right now. But um, you can email us at comicbookpit at gmail.com, and you can call us. We have a voicemail line, it's 412 450 0CBP. That's 412-450-0CBP or 0227. And, uh, so you can contact us if you've got a question, if you've got a suggestion for the show, something for us to read or review. We take every, you know, anything you got, we'll take it. And another thing we'll take, if you're so inclined, if you are a regular listener, uh, do us a favor and leave us an iTunes review that would really help us out not just to get us a little bit more of a presence on iTunes which doesn't hurt you know the more people see us the the more we can grow but you know we'd like to know how we're doing as a podcast so you know feel free to leave us an honest review um, doesn't have to be brutally honest you know we still have feelings but <laughs> Uh, you let us know how we're doing stuff you like us uh, you know uh, stuff you like, stuff you don't like. Um, let us know and we'll you know we we take everything that we get seriously and with much appreciation. So that all being said i'm gonna I'm gonna close this episode down. This is Dan with episode 259 of the comic book pit and we will see you next time.